Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat Wrap-Up Show featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. Good evening, everyone. This is uh, Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review, sitting here with Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald. Um, we heard your pleas. One more pod, so we're giving you one more pod. Uh, one more <laughs> pod. One more pod. One pretty, more pod. We appreciate the support. Yes. Um, Happy to bring you another one on this uh, Selection Sunday edition of uh, Blue Jay Beat, where the Creighton Blue Jays are an eight seed in Charlotte playing nine seed Kansas State in the first round on Friday. I believe Tiff Ops around 6.50 local time out there. So um, Virginia Cavaliers are the one seed in that region, so that's uh, the projected second round foe for the Jays should they get past K-State. Um, John, welcome back. Long, we had a long, um, a lot of, lot of fun travel. Yeah, fun trip. It was not, I don't think you, fun, you, fun's, fun's not the word, not the word huh? It okay. was, yeah, it was probably more travel than basketball, and that's never a good trip. So, <laughs> it was more travel than basketball, <laughs> no um, I but I might have spent more time on the phone, yeah, um, with, with the uh, the old airline than actually watching basketball. That's unfortunate, jeez. Yeah, my my face, my airline ex, uh, experience was face to face, which was. I can tell you not any more, any less frustrating than the phone, um, just based on because they could see my reaction to the places they wanted to send me, um, and I'm like that does not uh, seem ideal. So let's try something else. Um, but yeah, we're back. We're back in Omaha and ready to ready to head out east again. Um, hopefully with better luck, weather-wise. Uh, but John, I guess your initial reactions first of all. Let you kick it off um, with uh, Creighton's seed, Creighton's draw. Um, did you think? Did you come in today thinking that they were in on shaky ground with you know Davidson as potential bid steal, or did you feel like they were in a pretty good position today? And well, it's interesting. I think on Saturday morning, I started seeing more and more tweets from bracketologists, I guess, uh, folks who try to really dig into the numbers, and mm-hmm. um, just I felt like I saw more and more tweets of people poking holes in Creighton's res- resume, and rightfully so. I think that the Jays didn't perform as well on the road as other teams did. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly a lot of their, I mean, the majority of their mark, all their marquee wins were at home um, or a neutral site. Um, their best road win was St. John's. Yeah. Um, and so, which is still a pretty good win, but, you know, comparatively, it doesn't necessarily stack up against a lot of the other bubble teams. Um, and their non-conference strength of schedule was in the 200s. And Martin Crompo had gone down, so there was, you know, reason to sort of say, well, this isn't the same team that beat UCLA earlier in the yeah, year. Yeah, five and seven after he went down, not, in, not including Bemidji, so. Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I. I it doesn't, sound like you moment, went, it doesn't sound like you went there, but it sounds like you were at least well, entertaining. Well, yeah, that, that, in that was, moment on Saturday morning, I was like, hell. Maybe, but then I started sort of digging in, into the numbers a little bit myself and comparing Creighton's resume. I think I sent a tweet out on Saturday just comparing the resume to a lot of the other teams that I thought were on the bubble, um, and I just thought Creighton was just a notch better. And it was largely because of the Villanova win, sure, and then no bad losses. I thought that, was... that a lot of teams that were in the eight, nine, ten, eleven range, or that were going to maybe just miss, had bad losses, or they didn't beat a marquee team. And Creighton had both of those 
like not, uh, check marks on his resume. Mm-hmm. And there were, I, to me, I didn't see very many teams that had both. At least that were like on the bubble or maybe just off it on the yeah. positive side or the negative side. So that's why I thought that they ultimately would be included. But I didn't expect an eight. I kind of thought that the Jays would be in the nine range um, or the ten range. Mm-hmm. And I thought um, because of – I kind of thought that that Creighton was going to get the, the same treatment that Butler and Providence got where they were nine seeds but they couldn't go anywhere. They, they were Creighton forced was in to a be a, real, a real unique spot because Omaha is one of the second-round destinations and they have two one-seeds in their own conference, essentially. Right. So but if there you, was a lot of messing around to do with Creighton's seed in regards to that. Right, and then – but with – Butler and Providence, I think when the, they released the full 1 through 68, I think both of those teams were seated as nine mm-hmm. if they could have. But then with locations and matchups, like with Xavier and, uh, Xavier and Nova being one seeds, like obviously that takes away two, well, four potential spots for a, an eight, nine seed like Creighton or Providence or Butler. Um, so they got slotted, they got bumped down to a 10. And I kind of thought that was what was going to happen with Creighton because, like you said, can't play Kansas in the Omaha region, can't play Xavier or Villanova in the uh, um, in the first in the second round because mm-hmm. they're in the same conference. So I thought and they weren't a seven, so it's like right. So I was like, I don't know. I, they're, I they're, think, they were either a ten somewhere, or they were going to be the eight in Charlotte yeah. or the eight nine in Charlotte. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I guess the the idea that they're in Charlotte in the eight nine game facing Virginia is not a surprise to me, but being the eight that was a little bit of a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I guess you, the Jays have to be pretty pleased, honestly. I mean, I don't know. I think you can make arguments for and against being in the 8-9 game over um, slipping to a 10 spot because uh, I, I bet fans of Butler and Providence are probably not – they're probably not too disheartened to know that they are in the 7-10 game and it's opposed to the 8-9 game. I mean, mm-hmm. history says over the last – 10 years or so, and probably even beyond that. I haven't researched it beyond that, but I know that, um, you know, it's very unlikely that it, – it, it doesn't happen very often where one seed loses before the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. So that 8-9 team, I think there's only been six of them over the last 10 years that have won that game. Yeah. Um, it's tough, but Crane's in the tournament. It's March Madness. Anything can happen, so mm-hmm. – Especially this year. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. What do you think of the, what do you think of the matchup, K-State um, – K-State creating that team. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. I, I I couldn't help but laugh when I saw K-State because of the Marcus Foster's deal mm-hmm. and Bruce Weber and um, the dismissal and all that. And You know, it's, it's interesting. I felt like they've been letting the pieces kind of chip away and like kind of, you know, Creighton, Mac, Marcus have been really honest this year about that whole situation and you know they they haven't really shied away from it, and the fact that that the fact that Marcus kind of has to face it again, I don't know how I feel about that. I I mean, it's his situation, it's it's his past, but you know I think going to Charlotte there's going to be a lot of opportunity for distraction for him because I know that K State writers are obviously um, going to be asking him those questions. I know national writers will probably latch onto it. Obviously, you know we took our shots today. Um, it's just something I think that could easily become a distraction because I as much as he's going to say the right thing this whole week I know that it burns him and I know that he really wants to perform well against this team so there's going to be a lot of pressure that he's going to put on himself in this matchup so when I saw that 
obviously the first thing I thought of was Marcus right. Foster. Um, Side note, by the way, it's not just going to be reporters, too. Like, his friends are going to read his phone yeah. rang right yeah. before the press conference, and he's like, That's yeah, right. it's a buddy from K-State. It's like, there's going to be a lot of people talking to him about it. Are you, what are you going to do? How are you going to perform? Like, are you ready to, to yeah. show off against this team? Yeah. Um, so he's going to have to manage all that. All and, of and, and the human nature, like, you're kind of leading, like, he said the right things in the press conference today, but there's sort of a human nature um, sentiment that you can't act like doesn't exist. But he want he, any competitor would want to go out and beat. Um, uh, if you have familiarity with anyone, even if it's a positive familiarity, like even if he went to K State and um, or maybe he went, maybe he's a, a D two transfer or something, and he mm-hmm. gets to play his old, his old D two school. Like you're just you know these people you competed with. Uh, with them, or you were coached by them, so there's there's that factor that you want to perform well in that moment. So, um, and the fact that you know there were obviously some bumps in the road, to put it lightly, at K State, that's motivational. Can't yeah. you can't completely ignore that? You well, just the, have to figure out how to manage the yeah, emotions. That's 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 that's, 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 that's going to be the challenge, the managing of it, because obviously it's going to be there. The tell for me today was the fact that he hasn't spoken to Bruce Weber since the dismissal. It leads me to believe that. Yeah, but what do you, you don't say? you don't want to you don't want to like jump to too much of a conclusion, but it leads me to believe that like that was a really bad ending, and there really wasn't any like I'm glad you've there's no like reconciliation. Yeah, like you know what I'm saying. Like there's nothing. I, think, I feel I feel like if there was going to be, it would have already happened. Yeah, but you know then again, I mean? but maybe maybe this is maybe when, this, maybe this is the, opportunity yeah, for this it. Is the opportunity, you know, maybe so. it just felt awkward for both sides to reach sure. out because it didn't end well. Sure, and, but obviously Marcus is in a much better place, and um, as a coach, you, you know. Bruce Weber, I mean, you can't really harbor any hard feelings toward a player who it didn't work out with because that happens all the time in college basketball. Or sure. You'd be like a really bitter man if you were like... Oh, Especially if you were to make the decision, like the, the decision that... The reason that Marcus didn't leave on his own, he was told to leave, like that was a decision that was made. So maybe like from Weber's yeah. perspective, he's kind of at peace with and the, the, what, we, was, what was their time together. I never ended up writing about this, but I interviewed Bruce Weber a year ago about Marcus and he had nothing but good things to say about him. Um, I... You know, just one of those things where the story just didn't end up unfolding. You still have the audio? You might want to use it. Yeah. I just, <laughs> should I just start playing it on this podcast? You can just listen to our conversation. I was about, like, that sounds like it might be really good now um, all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, we talked a lot about uh, Marcus's um, experience at K-State and then kind of the recruitment of Marcus and maybe a few of the things that went wrong. But good conversation. And, and Bruce was – I mean, I thought he was really candid in it. And, um, you know, it didn't. he didn't seem to – Again, it's a phone conversation with a reporter that mm-hmm. we don't interact on a regular basis. Perhaps he was um, not a fully forthcoming with his true feelings, but sure. uh, I don't know. He, he seemed to uh, be appreciative of Marcus Foster's new landing spot and the success that he was having. And that was a year ago. So Marcus has even taken another step um, in terms of his maturation and growth, not just on the floor but off it. So as Coach McDermott said today, it's like, you know, it's kind of hard not to appreciate or um, be, I don't know, just a, be happy for a guy who's grown as a player, mm-hmm. even though it's not under your watch as yeah. a coach, I guess. No, that's a good point. Because they're not always going to work out. So that was my initial, those were my initial thoughts on it. I mean, obviously people like to look ahead and Virginia is the one seed if Creighton is able to get a win on Friday. Um, so in general, I just 
I think people thought I think, I think people think less of Virginia for some reason that I find myself thinking less of Virginia and that's wrong I think so too more, every I mean, time I, I watch I think, it I think they're easy to make fun of because of you see some of the scores and some of the box scores and like you think you think about their tempo and you think gosh what are you doing to the game of basketball and I, you know you've seen all that over the years and and then, but when I watch them in person, I'm always impressed by them. Mm-hmm, I mean, they no just—they are just a total package from a team perspective. They guard you the entire game. Um, they've got some bombers. Like the tempo is the reason their scores are the way it is. They're last in the country in tempo. That's I, that's intentional on their part. Yeah. Um, but they guard you. They switch everything. They guard every position. Um, they're really tough inside. They're really tough on the glass. They don't give you second chance opportunities, and they've got some guys who can hit some really tough shots. Um, I just think they're yeah. I, I, and, and they they just play with this like, um, the, it's kind of like a mix of fearlessness and confidence mm-hmm. that like I mean when you you they they almost they almost have they almost kind of know that everyone sort of disregards them and just sort of says like no nah, it's just that's yeah. Virginia they didn't um, they weren't ranked in the preseason and and even when they're making their ascent in the polls and and growing uh their profile nationally at least this version of this team was growing um getting more exposure i think there are still a lot of people who just sort of said no it's not going to last but the way they take the court when when they're playing especially when they're playing some of these top teams north carolina watched the whole game when they played at duke Mm -hmm. like they just have this moxie in i i don't know again it's a demeanor like they just know what they're doing is will work yeah, they they just have a full belief. It's in almost like it's almost like their belief in what they do is their foundation, yeah. and then yeah. everything they do is just a byproduct of all of it. Right, which is rare because I feel like a lot of teams lean on what they do, and then when it doesn't go well, Plan B is like panic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't. There's, there's no panic in Virginia. They're no, just, there's because they, they just know it's not. It's it's going to work. Yeah, and it has to. I mean, North Carolina was rallying, hitting shots, keeping the game close, and like Virginia just executed, just yeah. kept executing. Like they just aren't they aren't afraid of being in right. games like that, which I think is gonna, which I think lends itself to a deep run. You know, if you've had a team that's good at that type of thing. But that's the other thing, that's though, the, is they the thing have I know. they haven't made that run in the NCAA tournament. That's probably one of the reasons why uh, myself and others who follow the sport are a little bit hesitant to jump on the Virginia bandwagon. Is because the question is, is like, sure, that style works in conference play and works in the regular season, but in the tournament, when you know. You do need to score, and you do need to, a lot of times the teams that make deep runs rely on a maybe one or two just playmakers who can Getting really, really hot, yeah. uh, break a defense down. That I think Virginia has that, but then again, I've thought that they've had it in previous years too, and and it just hasn't worked out. So I think that's why um, perhaps um, I mean they just don't have that same cachet mm. as maybe a, another team in their similar position would have. Um, with the amount of success they've had, in, at least in the regular season over the last couple of years. Mm. But I don't know. I, I've, con- I've thought that the way that Creighton has played since Martin Crawford went down, it just seems like they don't have the same offensive firepower that they've had in recent seasons, or especially at the start of the year. This, this collection of, of guys, the group of uh, players that they had this year, without Martin, I think like their potential, their scoring potential is just, it's just down a, a couple notches. It's a, it's a, it's a it's capped a little bit more okay. than, than it would have been, and so I think I would push 
you in a different direction on that in this in terms of I don't think their offensive potential is lessened. I think their ability to turn defense into offense in from from backboard to transition game is lessened because of the uphill battle they have on the defensive boards. Um, in the half court, I still feel like they're really potent because okay. of Epperson's emergence. He kind of is able to f- do all the things Martine did in, in the quarter court and you know in the ball screens and putting pressure on the rim. And we've seen occasionally step out and hit a three. Um, but I, I think where I would agree with you as far as what it takes away from them offensively is how quick they can punch you after grabbing a board. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it's fallen off for sure. Um. So with that said, I just think that it might be a better it might be a better matchup for Creighton to play teams that are less offensively oriented because like the gap um, is larger for them. If they play teams that are used to running up and down the floor and scoring a bunch of points, like can Creighton keep up with that sort of team? Okay. Yeah. Um, but it certainly can keep up with a team that wants to slow the game down and then maybe. If you find yourself in a one-possession game at the end, you can out-execute that other team because mm-hmm. you're used to getting you – know, you know how to get a bucket when you need to get a bucket. Because the, I guess if you're saying you're going to – if the tempo is going to be forced, it's going to be forced by you only. Is that what you're kind of getting at? That's yeah. my thought. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. That's why, that's why I wonder if this draw playing Kansas State, yeah. playing Virginia, two teams that are really going to – Because K-State is 300 second in tempo, right. Virginia is 351. They're so. going to suck the air out of the ball mm-hmm. and just try to grind you away. But I think that maybe for Creighton, um, you know, if it can be selective and opportunistic with, it, with its chances to push tempo, uh, maybe you can catch those teams off guard. And then also maybe at the end, because when you play a grinded out um, – minimal possession game it's hard to build big leads so maybe you find yourself in a game 65 to 64 with four minutes left and you can just find a way to uh, make the right place so that was my theory going into Providence I actually thought that matchup fit well with Creighton I thought that game actually played out similar to what I would have expected going in mm-hmm. but that Jay's gonna get it done in the final four minutes sure so Maybe that totally debunks my whole theory. Well, I mean, <laughs> but, I don't think it does. It's just because then it's just about execution, isn't it? Right? Yeah, then, that's that's basically that's what that's what it comes down to. And so I'm, you, I'm banking you, on you. Wouldn't say like you're not taking like the Providence game and saying over a ten game sample size, Creighton will never execute in the final four minutes. Right. My, that's a game where it's like whoever executes here is winning. And, and what I'm saying is I've ban- I'm banking on Creighton more times than not. Yes. Yes. Performing better. Um, yeah. So I think in your crunch time is still right. Yeah. Yeah. Not because I think over the course of the season, when, when the Jays have been in those games in the final four minutes, I think that they've, um, offensively, they've done what they've needed to do. Now, if we can talk about the other end. Sure. Uh, because at, at times, whether it's rebounding. There's only just, a few examples I can think of. Georgetown, uh, St. John's on the road, St. John's at home, um, where they really had to string stops together at the end of a game to win the game. Nebraska. Nebraska's a good one for sure. Um, um the Providence game, they did UCLA was a firefight. Villanova, Villanova, they had to get stops at the end of that, end of regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, Xavier, they had to, and they sort of did, but they didn't. But, that, but then Xavier, they didn't execute offensively, so yeah. that's, that goes to what you were saying. Yeah. So, yeah, there's only been a few times where, like but you said, I do that, know that, that is, I do know that when they've played teams that have, like, been shooting it well or, like, kind of... Fighting fire with fire. It hasn't gone well. Right. I mean, I think I think the number was when I looked at it, it was like one in six this year against uh, off, uh, teams that had an offensive efficiency rating of in top twenty in the country, 
And then, like, Butler's just outside of that. But when Butler was rolling mm-hmm. at Butler, like, Creighton couldn't keep up with Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Marquette was in that range, that that, that one and six range. But um, it's – who knows? I mean, it, a lot of times you, well, you think you have an idea of how it's going to play out. But, then when you, but you have the samples you have based on what they've shown you. So yeah. you can only assess what you have in front of you. No doubt. I don't think you're – I don't think you're – I think your assessment is fair. Um, and I think it's interesting the type of game that they'll see um, this this weekend, no matter who they play. Uh, certainly lends itself to Creighton being able to be the team that Baylor well, was well, another game where they needed to get stops and down the stretch, and they didn't really. Yeah, I think that was just an ugly game earlier <laughs> in that second half. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, but I mean, it, it is an interesting point because I think Creighton is a team that has the widest range of. They can play in a. I think they can play that type of style more than people give them credit for. I don't think they're uncomfortable just having to execute offensively because they've got one of the toughest shot makers in the country, right. and that really saves you a lot of times in that situation. And because so, yeah, and, and because they are pretty versatile offensively, yes. like it does put a lot of pressure on opposing defenses to have to guard for twenty five, thirty seconds of the shot clock if the Jays are committed to really making the ball move and and making teams work and. You know, late in game, sure, there's pressure to perform, but um, if if like like I said, if Creighton's committed to its system and running its offense the way it normally does, like that, it shouldn't be any, it shouldn't be any different. Like they they're just doing what they do. Mm-hmm. Whereas another team that maybe isn't as um, as suited to maybe doesn't come as naturally maybe to put together a efficient offensive possession. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe they, they, maybe they, kind of uh, fight that pressure a little bit more. They feel it a little bit more. It yeah, impacts yeah. their decisions yeah. a little bit more. Um, like I, w- I, w- I would take a. I mean, you. I think I would always lean to in the NCAA tournament, uh, in a game that's a one possession game, with four minutes left. Give me the team that's that can score. That can score. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'll take the better offensive team over the better defensive team more times than not. That seems to have played out that way in the NCAA tournament, but mm-hmm. um, you can't just be one-dimensional, obviously. You're yeah. going to have to get stops, too. So, um, what, do you, what do you think about – have you watched any K-State? Um, I've watched a little bit of K-State. The one thing that I think is interesting is kind of like the tale of two – the tale of two point guard seasons they've essentially had. Uh, Kamas Stokes was obviously – I don't even know if I'm saying that right name right, but I'm going to try. Um, he was like a little bit of a – Kind of a little speedster point guard and built like Maurice Watson a little bit. He got hurt last year in the middle of the season, I think, or maybe it's two yeah, years. Yeah, he got hurt. Two and, years and he ago. got hurt this year too. He got and hurt this year. Yeah, he okay. hurt, injured his foot against Texas Tech on the road halfway through that game. So he started the first fourteen games. He was averaging fourteen points, five assists, um, and one and a half steals a game before the injury. After the injury, he's come back. He's played. He's played eleven games since they since he came back. But his numbers are way down. He's mm-hmm. only averaging three points, two assists. Um, so he's not right. He's not what he was before. So I think they're a little bit of a different team. Um, his replacement, if you will, is a six foot four, hundred and eighty pound freshman, I think, um, named Carter Diara. So that's a little bit of a different type of physicality. For, uh, but he's about the same size as Davion, I guess. So it's a you know it's not a matchup Creighton's going to be overmatched at, but. He's been averaging nine and a half points, two and a half assists since Stokes got hurt in eighteen games. He's been the starter, and he's still the starter now, even with Stokes back. So gotcha. they're a little bit of a different team than they were before that. I think they were eleven and three when Stokes went down. 
Um, they lost the game that he got hurt too. So, yeah, they're a little bit of a different team, and that was certainly that was certainly a time when they were, you know, half of that is their or eighty percent of that is their non-conference schedule, which was one of the worst in the country. So, right, it's hard to judge a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it is. Maybe it really that's one is. of the reasons why Stokes' numbers were so good is because they weren't really playing um, top-notch sure competition. So yeah, it's an interesting team. Obviously, those they they have two guys averaging about sixteen points a game too. Both of which were hurt last game, by the way. Were they really? Yeah, uh, Dean Wade. That's yep. the uh, their leading scorer. I think Barry Brown. Yeah, Barry Brown. Both of them did not. I think Brown had maybe poked in the eye or something with the eye. I feel like really? I remember reading that. Um, and then Wade did not play. He was like a late scratch against Kansas in the big. Big 12 tournament game. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're both expected to play on Friday, but it's certainly something that we'll have to monitor all week no doubt. Um, in terms of their availability. But, yeah, I, I, I've i only watched a, a few of their games. And, unfortunately, for K-State, I don't have great impression. I've watched them play West Virginia, Kansas twice, and the second Texas Tech game, I think. Okay. And portions of those games. I watched them get smoked by Oklahoma when they were good. Because oh, the, um, the, the, they, they split with Oklahoma. They beat them once like a couple weeks ago when Oklahoma was obviously in the yeah, tailspin. Yeah. And then Trey Young lit them up like something fierce right. the first time. So, yeah, I've seen kind of like the good and the bad of K-State, which I think is pretty much the story of their season. It's just I, a bunch it seems of, like that. It's like a mix but then again, when I look at their results, I think that they've – it seems like they're kind of like Creighton in that there's, there's been – now, the, low, the lone outlier is the Villanova win. Creighton was at its best that day and, and really um, – took it to a number one seed, maybe the second-best team in the country. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, Creighton has, has struggled against the elite, um, but it's handled itself pretty well against that next tier where yeah. Creighton is mm-hmm. against the teams that are maybe equal talent or maybe just a little bit uh, better or a little bit worse. They've handled themselves pretty well. And I think K-State's kind of a similar team to where that they um, – I think they just – they look like a team that's really maximized what they are, and they um, – they f- they find a way to uh, to grind out wins. Yeah, and so I th- the number was zero and seven against the top three in the Big Twelve for K State, but eleven and two against everyone else in that league. And that league obviously has seven NCAA tournament teams, including K State. So um, six other than K State, and then two that were just outside that could have one or two results different for Oklahoma State and Baylor, and they're in the field. Mm-hmm. So I feel like K State. Um, is certainly a capable team, and it. I bet, I bet Creighton's going into this matchup thinking, okay, we can find. I bet both teams go into this matchup thinking that they, there's a clear blueprint of how they're going to win it. Yeah, and I think I think it's pretty cool. So yeah, I wonder what Kansas State thinks as far as what. Obviously, the thing with Creighton is slow them down, um, grind them out, be That's tougher. That, yeah, just be I think the watch the Providence yeah. game and watch K State try to do something similar to that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd imagine. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Casey, it's not very good on the boards. They don't shoot the three very well. Um, yeah, that that'll be the only difference it's, for Creighton. It, it's, is that, it's kind of an interesting style matchup, really, because it seems to everything you would look at seems to like favor the Jays, favor the Jays, mm-hmm. favor the Jays every single matchup. Um, it but so it's really going to come down to like just I think like you've mentioned just the execution within the style um, because Creighton has a chance to force a style onto Kansas State that they aren't comfortable with. I think. Yeah, there's a 300-second uh, tempo, and the only teams they've played that play faster than Creighton are Oklahoma, who they split with and got killed by when Oklahoma was good, and ASU, which is funny because 
ASU also beat them when ASU was playing yeah. pretty well. So, <laughs> like, so they're one and two against teams that have played a faster tempo than Creighton. Um, I think the ASU game was a two-point game, uh, and the Oklahoma loss was a blowout, and the one they won was, I think, nine points at Oklahoma or something like that. Yeah. Um, so they haven't played very many teams that push it like Creighton does. So that's going to be, you know, an adjustment for them. On the flip side, Creighton's played teams that try to do what Kansas State does. No doubt. So, like, so, so I feel like Creighton's going into this more prepared than, right. than K-State is. That's kind of just what that's I see of the matchup like on paper. Yeah, I like that point. That's a good point. Because, I mean, for the past two years, Creighton's seen this from the majority of teams that it's played, mm-hmm. particularly in the Big East. Like, no one wants to run with Creighton. Marquette's I was talking to Ed Cooley in the tunnel after the game. He's like, man, playing McDermott, it's not, like, it's not rocket science. It's like... Guard the three, rebound the ball, slow them down, get back in transition. Like, yeah, it's it's the blueprint. I mean, that's pretty much it. You don't want it. You don't want to get in a track meet with them because no. that's what they like to do. Yeah, um, yeah. Who are the teams that try to UCLA this year? Marquette. Now Marquette slowed the pace down. Marquette though. slowed the pace down a lot in the yeah. second half. They yeah. weren't. Um, they were willing to take open shots, but um, and quick shots if they were if they were free. Yeah, but they really. They, I think both of those games, like you said, in the second half, they weren't really running with Creighton. Um, it wasn't an open I can't, floor. It wasn't of, an open I can't floor really think of anybody in the Big East that ran with Creighton. Um, no, I don't think anybody's tried to. There were some teams in the non-conference that did. but um, DePaul gets into track meets with Creighton because their transition defense is terrible. So, like, <laughs> yeah. that's by accident. They weren't running with. No, they were running They were running because they behind. had to chase. Yeah, yeah. they were chasing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, I agree. It's not something that... It's not Creighton hasn't faced a team that's like, yeah, let's let's get up and down, let's open this thing up. So right, um, but K State hasn't faced many teams that try to do that either. They, mm-hmm. you know, they value the possession. Um, but Creighton doesn't turn the ball over either. That's the thing that that's the thing that what, why Creighton has such a high ceiling, I think, and why maybe we're still latching onto the fact that they might be able to make a run here is because they play at the, a fast pace, but they also don't turn the ball over. So really, it comes down to them if they can make shots. They could probably beat a lot of teams they might be matched up with and be a dangerous out, you know, in this tournament. Um, if they just if they get the right matchup, they face a team that doesn't have the firepower that can't, like you said, put a lot of pressure on them uh, from just an offensive execution standpoint that deflates their defense, that affects their offense, that you know doesn't allow them to, to run all the things that you said kind of snowball in Creighton's favor when they play a team that's really really able to execute efficiently offensively. So. Um, that's just the way I see the matchup for now. Uh, obviously, there's been more dissecting to do um, in the next couple of days. What else do you think from Kansas State um, that kind of sticks out, you, out at you that we haven't discussed yet? Anything? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, like I said, I can't. I'm, I'm very eager to watch a little bit more of the mm-hmm. of them. Uh, it's I funny. I haven't. I haven't personnel. I just I haven't. DV, I haven't. I haven't DVR them all this year with the purpose of watching Kansas State. It's always been the purpose of watching. Who that's kind of where playing. I've been at. So I actually. I, I never I, identified them as an I opponent. Ranked, they would I play. ranked them in my AP poll a couple weeks Did ago. Really? Um, maybe two or three weeks ago. I, I when I look at their resume, I kind of thought that they weren't getting enough respect all year for their resume, and I think largely because of their RPI and their non-conference, non-conference strength of schedule. schedule. Um, but I thought that I thought that. I just think in general teams don't get enough credit for beating the teams they're supposed to beat or uh, beating maybe uh, teams that are equal talent to them. And I thought K-State did that for the majority of the Big 12 season. Mm-hmm. Creighton did that for the majority of its season. So I, I thought that K-State and Creighton for much of the year were tracking in a similar direction. Um, and so I'm, it's, 
it makes sense they're matched up against each other. It's I think it's going to be a, um, I think it's going to be a really good game. So we asked for some questions here. I think we can dive into these. Some of this was already talked about, so um, if it repeats, we apologize. But we have already answered some of your questions just in our conversation alone here. So uh, the first one we had from Matt Super, I hope I'm saying that name right, was obviously break down the Jays matchup with Kansas State and Virginia. We kind of just did that a little bit. So thanks for the question, Matt. Hope I'm we, t- hope we gave you. Is there a one seed that you – I mean, they can't play any other one. So let's just say it <laughs> – Hypothetical situation: Creighton were a ten. Throw North Carolina into there, maybe, and say Kansas. North Look Carolina, at the twos. Virginia. Okay. Any or any twos that you think um, would since in Cincinnati, North Carolina, Duke, um, Purdue. Any of those stand out to where it, it might have been better if Creighton were able to slide up to a seven? Maybe, maybe they had, maybe they find a way to beat Providence and they move up to a seven, or um, if things. Fell in a different way and they fell to a ten. Like, are any of those stand out to you? Would you rather play? Well, this probably sounds a little crazy, can, but of those twos, I think North Carolina probably is the best matchup for Creighton. Um, obviously, they kill the offensive glass. So that's going to be a hell of a battle there. But I think just in terms of like matching punch for punch, I think Creighton actually matches up pretty well. Um, Duke, I did not like that matchup at all. Same with Purdue. I felt like those are two teams that you mentioned in terms of a team that has some firepower, isn't afraid to get up and down, and they've got some beef. Like that's some those, those yeah. were just two horrible matchups for Creighton. And then um, what was the other two seed? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati's the team that just is going to try to do exactly what every Big East team has tried to do. And they have, um, they put have me, the put Creighton into a That's actually random. a question that I don't know. But I didn't really hate the Cincinnati matchup, though. Like Creighton, Creighton had to play them in the first round a couple years ago yeah. before they played. They were in the 10-7, and then Duke was, I think, the two seed that in that in Philly or whatever. And it was a grinder of a game. It was a horrible, like it was a you know, possession possession rock fight essentially. Like right. it was for Providence, but Creighton won it. So I mean, but this it wasn't is a like team. this is a better Creighton team too, though. Like they're more better, they're more yeah. athletic Creighton yeah, yeah. team than it was then. Better and, suited to yeah. Face they had Sean Kilpatrick. Yeah. They had like a bunch of just bruisers. Then, like what is I think one of the questions that I'll be curious if Creighton can get past K State um, is Virginia because of its defensive style. I think Creighton has struggled at times this year when they played teams that are really long and athletic. I mean, like you said, Virginia is going to switch a lot of things, and mm-hmm. um, they're going to do their best. To their whole thing is about positioning, though. I don't really yeah. see them as like a long, change like, you, I, affect you type of It just seems defense. like teams that yeah have had – I mean, even, even, even DePaul. Like, it never felt like Creighton – in the second game against DePaul, Creighton got into a groove because they just ran – like we were talking about, they yeah. ran by him. But in the half court, I felt like it was always kind of a um, – they never like found their rhythm it seemed like and mm-hmm. that was what happened against Providence it's just they couldn't find that flow um, that team is it's not like they're they're not overly aggressive they're not going for a ton of steals but they're just able to cover ground yes. quicker and bother you just enough to where um, it just can't settle in and, and so I, that, that'll be something that I look at when I see Virginia because again I haven't like watch Virginia for that I, mean, I don't know exactly how and same with K-State too honestly so um, but yeah I think honestly there's no there's no easy there's no easier preferred matchup when you're talking about the ones and twos if you can obviously if Creighton can get past its first round game but uh, I don't know I feel like Virginia's not it's not worst case scenario for me oh really okay That's I don't interesting. think it, I don't I, don't, I wouldn't say that you might regret those words, but uh, yeah, probably. Right when it's <laughs> when Virginia wins seventy to fifty, and I'm like, that was uh, <laughs> that was disaster. Probably, yeah, that was probably how everybody thought. 
That's pretty funny. Um, next one, let's see. From my Creighton account. Let's go, Jays. It's pretty simple name right there. Uh, sadly, I don't have any music to share. Did we ask for... I don't know. What's your favorite song? A favorite if song? If you were to share a song, would it be like... We like know. to jam out when they play Will Smith at the, at the arena. Oh, for all games, Will right? Smith. Is, yeah. I'm pro that. Like that, They should just play that whole soundtrack. And That's probably the game. universal jam between John and I. We both will have no complaints if there's some yeah. Will Smith. Some, some. I mean, I've been, I've been big on Drake lately. Yeah. So I can... I can vibe with some of that in pregame as well. So, uh, what do you guys think about CU's chance to get the se- get second chance points? Oh yeah, so Kansas State is uh, what are they? Three hundred twelfth in defensive rebounding? Is that right? No, three hundred twelfth in yeah defensive rebounding. I don't think Crazy's going to try to crash the offensive glass. Probably I just not. that's not what they try to do. Um, they've played teams that have been that have been horrible defensive rebounding teams too, and they have, I've thought maybe that's a, t- a thing that Creighton might try to do, and it wasn't. So I don't think that's in their DNA to do that. I think the four and the five will. Whoever's playing at the four and the five, um, if they're in position to grab a board, like yeah. they'll be encouraged to do that. But I mean, the question is, do you send Kyrie or Marcus to the glass? And right. usually the answer is no. Yeah, I agree. So um, yeah, I but know. late in games they might switch that up. I mean, I think. Um, when they were desperate for a bucket against Paul at DePaul, they really crashed the glass hard against Xavier. I feel like I think they got a couple boards against Xavier. I might be wrong on that, but I, I definitely remember against Providence, Kyrie Thomas was in there mm-hmm. um, trying to get an extra board in overtime when uh, an offensive board. So I think it, in desperate situations they will, but. I, I think the one thing not that, their identity. the one thing that I would look at to where maybe Creighton might try it in these potential matchups or the one with K-State and then the potential one with Virginia is before when I thought they would do it, they would just face a team that and I was like, well, this team doesn't rebound very well defensively, so maybe you can exploit that a little bit and steal some second chance points. But I mean, with K-State and Virginia, they with K-State, not Virginia, with K-State, uh, Virginia's a hell of a rebounding team, so no. Uh, K-State, with K-State though, they are both a bad defensive rebounding team, and they slow the tempo down. So, like, you don't have to work. If you were to try to, like, steal some points on that end of the floor, you don't have the necessarily threat of being it run down your throat mm-hmm. on the other end. So, yeah. it's maybe something that the coaching staff can put in their back pocket and say, look, we need to steal some points here. We're struggling offensively. Um, let's commit some numbers to the offensive glass and see if we can get some second-chance opportunities or, you know, find a rhythm three that we can bang home and get right. some confidence going. Because of K-State's inability to, you know, attack and transition, um, maybe that's something that Creighton can at least put into the memory bank and file away for a rainy day in case it gets – they find themselves in a situation where they need to find manufacture some points and, you know, they try to uh, use the offensive glass as a way to do that. So. Yeah. Possibly K-State, definitely not Virginia. Hell no. <laughs> Virginia is going to suck up everything, every single miss. Um Former Blue Jay Doug Swenson, he was part of the Creighton's 1999-2000 NCAA tournament team when they beat Louisville and lost to Maryland's TV franchise and those guys. So he wants us to talk about the value of a true round-robin schedule. Um, so that's probably a shot at Nebraska <laughs> as a former Jay. I get that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't I, – I think here, – here, here's, here's what I'll say. I, like, the value of it is obviously – in terms of preparation and your battle, you're kind of battle tested. You know what um, you sort of have that experience of having to adjust in games and, and kind of throw yeah, away. I'm glad you went there. That's where exactly I was right. going to go to. Like a team is going to peel 
back everything you're good at and find your weaknesses and no you have to find a way to survive. And and yeah. and there'll be game like you'll think, okay, we know this team, but they'll have a different wrinkle for you and they'll mm-hmm. do something. I mean, just think about Marquette playing zone. Like they didn't play zone um much at all and they right. played zone and Creighton had to adjust Providence playing small f- playing small. Like yeah. Coach Mack said in that game they had only played uh maybe twenty fourth at the time. Uh, so you know these teams really well, but they always have something different, and they force you, um, they force you to adjust on the fly. And so mm-hmm. you're used to that. And in the game where it, you're, you've got 40 minutes to get it done, or you don't, you're going home if you don't win. Like yeah. I think having that experience of the pressures of going to the timeout huddle and being like, okay, this isn't working. We got to do something different. Like mm-hmm. I think that is that's where it's beneficial. Um, on a like bigger picture. Uh, bigger scope situation it might i and i don't know we may not have enough evidence here but it might hurt it's such a grind man think about the big 12 and the big big east the two leagues that play a true round robin Mm -hmm. and they play each other um obviously are really deep both leagues are they have not performed well in the ncaa tournament over the last four years and it's hard not to point to the fact that they are mentally and physically worn down by this time of year there's no question that they are that they are mm-hmm. it's it's going to be up to them whether or not they can find that next gear and uh and take it to the next level when it matters most but um i think i think you can make an argument that a team like creighton is more worn down than alabama or a team like creighton is more worn down than even ucla mm-hmm. uh because of just the toll that it takes to night in night out be on your a game or that you you know that if you're not on your A game, you might get beat, mm-hmm. um, and so that's different than a lot of other leagues. Even though there are a lot of leagues where, um, like the ACC, really deep, a lot of teams, but there's always those few at the bottom where, you know, if you do sleepwalk for a night, you can still pick up a win. If you sleepwalk in the Big East, you're going to lose, and um, so I think that's kind of the downside. And we'll see if if the numbers change over the next couple of years because again it's a small sample size over the last like four years the big 12 and the big east are the two worst performing teams in the ncaa tournament of the major conference of the major conferences mm-hmm. and i mean to me the clear thing is oh round robin schedule like yeah, that. yeah i mean they're both really good there's no other reason to me why they wouldn't perform well other than that they're really worn down at this time of year so again it's a theory and we'll see if over the course of the, it's just been a few years so we'll give it some time but mm-hmm. uh um but yeah, I think there's pluses and negatives to it. Yeah, two things I would identify, I guess, maybe as um, pluses would be the first one is you see a different you see a, and and this is just in terms of the Big East because of the way the teams are. You see a lot of different styles in the Big East. I think you know you know who you're going to get grinders out of. You know who you're going to be able to run with. Um, you know who you're going to really execute um, efficiently to keep up with. Like, there's just a lot of contrasting styles in the way they do things. And I think the other thing, and that, and that can prepare you in a certain way just because of how... Well, I think... Because you don't get much time in between. And if you go from, say, a Providence to a, you know, a St. John's, you're facing different types of disciplines. Um, if you go from a Georgetown to a Villanova, like, you know, it's just a different type of style and different type of preparation... Um, yeah, and you're going to have to do that in the NCAA tournament. Like yeah, exactly. Switching styles quickly. Yes, yes, yes. And I think you just get, um, kind of to your point, like you get you get more practice. 
playing against – so say you play four of your teams in the league or grinded out style teams. You play those teams eight times. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to have so, many, so much ex- experience sort of like um, making those adjustments, knowing what does work, what, what doesn't work, and how to um, you know, kind of adapt in, yeah. in the moment. I mean, I think in terms of the Big East, of all the Big East teams that are in the tournament this year, they've faced everything they're going to face in March. Right. I mean, they're, they're, there's going to be no surprises. Yeah. Like, I, think, I think even as good as Virginia is, the fact that Creighton played Villanova twice – that's essentially if we're if we're if we're splitting hairs, Villanova is number the two. Of teams. Yeah, I yeah. think I have Villanova and Virginia on a level above every single everybody everybody else in the country yeah. when they're on their when they're at their best. I think we were texting last night. I think you you said you'd even put Virginia a notch above that. I bit. agree that that's I Based would put Virginia I would put yeah. Virginia a notch above that. But I don't think you're going to go into a game if Creighton advances and they play Virginia. They're going to go into a game and go, "Geez, this is the best team in the country. We haven't faced that before." No, they've faced that before. Yeah. So like, there's nothing that they won't see in March, and that's what I think. This playing the round robin, playing in the Big East, a league this good for 18 games plus to have the four games, to have four games on your um, under your belt against number one seeds. Yeah. Like that's that's fantastic. Think yes. about think about Michigan in the Big Ten. I mean, that team is uber talented but it certainly does not have the amount of um experience against quality elite level competition because it doesn't play in that round that doesn't have that round robin mm-hmm. um as any other team in the big east or the big 12 yeah um so creighton's can skip all that oh my god the name on the front of the yeah, yeah i mean you like shouldn't that, be intimidated at all because you've nothing, already seen it yeah, exactly. you see you got to see that level you've four seen the, times you've seen the best of the whereas best. michigan state like did they play they didn't play a well, yeah, there's only four one seeds, so that, you know. Mm. They, but they played Purdue they played, one time. They played Kansas once, Purdue once. And uh, um, Michigan twice and Ohio State yep. once. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's the downside of it, obviously. Mm-hmm. You can pile up wins, which is great. And if the league is, is in a – the Big Ten's obviously way down than it normally is. But if it's um, at a normal level, like maybe like the ACC, you can pile up a lot of quality wins. It's just um, – I think you, you lose a little bit from the experience factor of it. No doubt. Um, we've got a women's basketball question. I think we'll save that for the end. We can switch gears real quick and talk about them before we wrap up. Um, how do you see the front court matchup between Creighton and K-State? Um, from Alex Knust. Sorry if I'm not pronou- supposed to pronounce the K. Uh, I don't know yet. Sorry, Alex. I haven't watched enough K-State to know what their front court dynamic is yeah, like. Yeah, are they are – they, yeah. A posted up team, like did they just put the ball on the block and go at you? I, I don't know about that, because Dean Wade is more of like a, like when I've watched him anyway, he's more of like a stretch guy. Yeah, like he can he can drill Shooting a jump 44% shot. Forty four percent from threes, yeah. only averaging six boards, but he's leading the team in that category. Um, I was only one guy's over a block. The shot. few times that I've watched them, it's it's they run. They, I think they run like a motion offense, and so it's 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 less about just. Sticking the ball in the post and yeah. letting the guy go to work. It's more about movement and spacing and setting screens and getting things going too. Facing their, yeah, facing their yeah. yeah I agree. So I don't know if it, in that aspect it might be a good. Maybe that's a good thing for Creighton because mm-hmm. they don't have to face one dominant big. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't have to worry about fronting or doubling. Yeah, m- matchups and and playing with toughness. I think is probably the question that I will have. Mm-hmm. Uh, for yeah, I, I apologize, Alex. I wish I'd watched more K State to be able to answer that better right yeah. now, but um, we'll certainly dive into that more in the couple, coming days. Um, let's see, my Creighton account again. 
for the men. In terms of, in regards to Virginia, how do the coaches best attack a team that plays that slow of a tempo? Well, it's it's kind of interesting because Kansas State does too. So yeah. I mean, they're gonna they're essentially gonna prepare for the same style for both games. So right. it won't be that much of a shell of a shock factor um, if they do advance on Friday and have to play Virginia. Um, so we've kind of, we've kind of already you know dived into how I think they, one of the how, keys would, how I, would they speed that game up I guess is just rebound I mean, you the basketball stops. yeah because yeah. <laughs> that's that's that's, the that's the key to yeah. it all really I and mean, and then and make sure that you're not overly aggressive I think about the Nebraska game okay when they Forcing had the, they forced it a little bit yeah, they had the, the opportunity to kind of maybe set the tempo because Nebraska was missing shots or maybe they turned it over and they can get going but they they just had the they maybe had the gas pedal pushed a little bit too far to the floor. And you know what else is an interesting factor? Sorry to interrupt, but that maybe you can play off of it, is we're going to Charlotte, uh, which is the hometown area of Creighton's first two primary ball handlers. They've right. got Manson and Tyson They're going to be hyped. Hyped, yeah. right? And, so, and it's so, the NCAA tournament. So the opportunity for them to necessarily be playing like their pants are on fire is there, right? Yeah, because yeah. You, they want to show out for the hometown right. fans. No doubt. Yeah, so that being under control and and opportunistic, like you're alluding to right now, I think um, definitely. There's a balance that you have to find. No question. For the most part, I think Creighton's done a good job with that this year, um, especially in Big East play because they really haven't had a lot of opportunities. And more times than not, it seems like they're finding a way to take advantage of them. But but yeah, that that Nebraska game just sticks out because they knew going into that that Nebraska was going to slow it down. And then as the games started, the way it – was flowing early. It was clear what Nebraska was trying to do. And so when Creighton got its opportunities, I think it was just maybe forcing the issue just a little bit too much mm-hmm. and just kind of needed to take a deep breath for a second and, and, and sort of realize that, you know, you don't have to go 150 mile per hour. You go 100 mile per hour. And yeah. that's still effective. And that's still making the other team yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, because, like, when we're talking about the team in, in, ter- in the event, he asked for Virginia. So Virginia's – the slowest team in the country in pace. So it doesn't take much for to make them uncomfortable. You don't have to be the 50th. Creighton doesn't have to be who they are. They can just be somewhere in the middle, and it makes yeah. Virginia play faster than they want to play. So yeah. it's not going to take a whole lot to make that uncomfortable, but it starts on the glass. Creighton has to keep, find a way to keep Virginia off the offensive glass um, and execute because that's what Virginia does better than anybody in the country. They execute. Their efficiency is off the charts, um, you know, both in how they stop you and how they score. So, yeah. That'll be the challenge. All right. Adam Hester. Many bracketologists had Jays versus Bama as the 8-9 in the East. Bama gets the 9 in another region in case they get slotted in. On the 10 scale, how much do you believe this was entirely to set up the Foster Revenge game narrative? And, uh, I mean, we, we participated in that mock bracket a couple months ago or a month ago, however long it was. One month, yeah. It's really hard to do that, we found out. You kind of don't know what you're putting together until it's just time to throw it in there. So I'm not really sure how much was like, oh, there's K-State. Uh, they have – who does Creighton have? Oh, there's something there. Although it seems like the Jays have had quite a history with matching up storylines and um, with their first-round opponent or their second-round opponent, I don't know how much of that is intentional. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of storylines in the college basketball game that you almost run into those things sometimes. But maybe you have a different thought on how that. Well, I guess what I'll be. say was K State seated as a ten in the in the uh, one wow. through sixty eight the seed line. Uh, that's a good question. I'd have to go I'd back and to, look. I have to see where that. I don't have that up. Um, 
but I guess what I'll say, I'll go back to what you were talking about when we went through that mock bracketing experience that Tim Kruger, um, I'm sure a lot of Jays fans are familiar with Tim, who runs his own, he, he does his own bracket every year, and, and he's been through the NCAA's mock bracketing. Yep. So he kind of put on a little seminar for us to show us how it goes now. Yeah, it was really interesting. And, I mean, the takeaway that I had is, like, when you're, when you're trying to figure out which teams are, like, how to slot the teams, this team's better than this team, you're not... You're not thinking ahead to what the bracket's going to look like. Yeah. You set your 1 through 68, and once you're done sort of figuring out, okay, Creighton is the 30th best team in the mm-hmm. country, and according to our metrics, K-State's 37. And it's not ma- – you You're not thinking about – yeah, it's, it's lines of – there's not six, thinking there's about, seven. You're not thinking about they're going to face each other. Mm-hmm. Then you have to put them on the all these teams on the bracket, and there's different rules about, you know – no more than two teams from one conference in a region, or you can't have, you don't want to have rematches during the regular, or certainly of conference teams playing each other. But and with also, Creighton, there was the extra one of Omaha, and everything yeah. Like that, and so, I yeah. guess that was my point. Is like I, I don't, again, I don't have the list of the seeds in front of me, but it. Butler and Providence were nine seeds, I believe, um, but they couldn't be nine seeds based on once once the. Uh, once the NCAA or once the committee laid out its brackets one through eight, Creighton was matched up with Virginia, um, and that meant Kansas that State, Kansas State was thirty four, so they were between Butler and Providence, so they were on the ten line. Yeah, yeah. Were. So you couldn't you couldn't match. I guess Providence was on the ten line then. Yeah. Butler was on the nine, but okay. Butler was Butler couldn't be a nine because it couldn't match up against Xavier or Seton Hall, Creighton. It couldn't be in the same bracket as Seton Hall and Omaha. But Seton Hall was an eight, Creighton was an eight. Yeah, and it couldn't be and it couldn't be matched up against uh, Xavier, Xavier or Villanova, Villanova in the right. second round. So yeah. Butler had to be dropped down to a ten. So that meant that somebody was moving up to a nine <laughs> because there was so much of a mess in the like the Big East was. It wasn't top heavy, but Villanova and Xavier were a cut above, and then everybody else was in the middle. Yeah, because of that, there's a real mess in NCAA and then tournament the, seating. And, and the Big Twelve was similar in that way, and yep. so the SEC was similar in that way. So I wonder if, like, once they started seeding these teams or putting them on the bracket, they're like, "Oh crap, we can't have this." That had to have been the hardest part of this whole right. thing, honestly. Because I think people are going to wonder how hard was it to keep this team in, keep this team out. I think I bet you the hardest part of this was trying to find a way to see the teams properly where they weren't necessarily breaking all of their rules that right. they have. And so I guess my thought is, like, when you are going through that process, it's it's just inevitable that you're going to run into storylines because there's so many um, – I mean, just think about college basketball, how interlaced it is with different coaching changes and um, rivalries and all these conference realignment stories and teams are in different uh, different places now. I just know that when we got done with our mock bracketing session, we had four or five different storylines that I was like, whoa, yeah. I didn't even see that coming. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. realize that that was, to- yeah, that was so a thing. It was, it was so, crazy how it came together. I, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so I'm, I'm going to believe the committee members at their word when they insist repeatedly that they don't try to go out of their way to create made-for-TV matchups mm-hmm. or t- made-for-TV storylines. But I'm willing to entertain. Yeah, I, I like hearing. I like he- because you know, there's more to this too than Marcus Foster, Kansas State, Bruce Weber. Bruce Weber also has quite a history with Creighton as well. Right. So like, there's a long and Bruce would know that. Yeah, I mean, there's not. <laughs> there's not. Uh, 
there's not going to be like Creighton's not going to lack for motivation from its fan base or its players this weekend. Let's just say that. Yeah. There's going to be plenty of history to go around to talk about. So the bar should be fun, I think. No doubt. Right? No doubt. I, I guess know, I don't yeah. know what the Charlotte Bar scene looks like, but I, it might be pretty lively. I think it's game. fun to talk about. Yeah. I just don't think that I don't think that the committee seriously sits down and when like they have their bracket down, they're like, you know what? Don't have enough storylines in here. We need to switch K State up with this team so right. that they can we have something to sell for TV here. Oh, uh, you know what? We got to move these two teams around because that's it's just not. We don't think that we can get enough production or, mm-hmm. or uh, eyeballs on this matchup. I think the NCAA tournament sells itself and. Inevitably, when you have um, a, a lot of really good programs who are in the tournament year after year, like you're going to find, there's there's mad, there's just there's storylines, no doubt. But then again, maybe Rass wants to see Marcus go for fifty. So who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> hindsight twenty twenty. Let's beat K State. That's not a question, sir. So, but I appreciate your enthusiasm. Um, so I think that's it for questions. You want to dive into the women's side of it? Yeah, or? let's switch gears real quick. Okay, because I feel like we've probably said enough on the men yeah so the women's just to kind of dump dive into this topic here the women's um selection committee released a an eight-team list today um right before the men's selection show and it is four the last four teams is an eight-team list that's all under consideration four of them are the last four teams in four of them are the first four out do you think they've decided I do because okay. everybody's done. So All right. there's nothing. I mean, if they hadn't decided, they were pretty lazy. <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, in terms of Rash's timeline, when he says everything's set and then there's still games played, yeah. I assume the women are done because yeah. they're officially done playing. So there's no games. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So there's, um, there are four spots left, or there's the four final spots, and mm-hmm. there's eight teams that are vying for those. And Creighton's so one of the eight. Yeah. So Creighton's one of the eight. So it's Buffalo, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Um, Creighton. Um, it's slipping my mind now. I'm, I'm I'm impressed that you were able to get that. Honestly, <laughs> Buffalo, Creighton, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Purdue, okay. Rutgers, USC, West Virginia. Gotcha. So um, you studied it a little bit more than me. I, yeah, oh my god, I watched so much women's basketball this week. It's unreal. I, first I, of all, first I, of all, let me say just let me say this real quick, and then I'll, and okay. then I, I'm curious to see how you think that Creighton stacks up against this team. I, these teams. It just feels like Creighton. When you look, when you watch Creighton play, they look like an NCAA tournament team. Number one, um, number two, I feel like in in women's basketball and baseball, when you have these the committees that sure they definitely watch games and they dive in and and they try to know the teams as well as as well as they can. But I feel like a lot of times you see them lean more toward the RPI and the numbers. Um, History proves that. Yeah, yeah. To to back up their case, that they want to have some facts. It's I think it's easier to talk in the men's game. There's so many. There's just so many games on TV and so much coverage. I think it's easier to talk a little bit in, in narrative and intangibles. And and this team passes quote unquote the eye test. Mm-hmm. Um, I think facts matter a little bit more in the in the women's game and in, in baseball, smaller sports mm-hmm. um, that don't get as much coverage. And to me, Creighton's numbers look pretty good. Yep. They got the 10th best strength of schedule. Um, their RPI, their top fit, I mean, maybe they'd like to be a notch above in, in the RPI. They're mm-hmm. 47 or whatever, but they've beaten three RPI teams in the top three, top 30 RPI teams. Mm-hmm. It just seems like they have a really good case. Yeah. But they are one of the... Deservedly they're, 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 they're 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 on the bubble for two reasons. And the two reasons I think are... 
legitimate. They're eighteen and twelve. That's not a great record. Twelve losses, yeah. Um, in, in and, the, the, and, and they're in the Big East, which is like the sixth best conference, yes, right? Yes. So you're not going to get that boost if you're in, um, you know, one, one of the, the top three or four. Yeah. yeah. And then the loss to Washington on neutral floor. Washington had a bad season, so that's not a good loss. It's not a Group Four loss, but it's not a, not a good loss. Um, that's their worst loss. Yes, by far. Okay. Um, so. So yeah, those are the do, two things that ding them up. And how, then, do you, how do they? How do in your mind? How do they stack up against those eight? Where do you? Where do you kind of? Slot so going them? into today, first of all, in terms of in terms of watching, like you bubble, oh, Creighton's Big East tournament ended, what a week ago, I think. It ended Monday. They ended. They were done at five p.m. on Monday. Okay. I talked to so I, talk, I talked of, to Flannery, uh, Coach Jim <laughs> Flannery, uh, today, and he had it. He had it. One hundred and sixty nine hours. That's how long wow. they're going to be waiting. Yeah, he counted that's, it out. That's impressive. The mind gets the wander when you're yeah, off yeah. for a week. Yeah, I can't you... imagine what that's been like. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, but hey, you've been watching a lot of basketball. Yeah, so like I too, said, so. so I went through and marked a lot of what needed to happen for Creighton to feel like. Because you start watching for who's going to steal their at large spot. Because you figure they're they're on the bubble, but they're in a good position as long as nobody like jumps them. You know that shouldn't. And I'm telling you, John, it is unreal the amount of. Like what needed to happen did. That happened this week. I I can't think of one result. I can't even think of one result that went. Uh oh, Creighton's probably that's probably not good for Creighton. Every single one. South Dakota State beat South Dakota to steal their own at large bid and make the summit of one bid league. Um, Gonzaga won. uh, Green Bay won. um, FGCU won. Princeton won. Um, I mean, there's like it was like ten or eleven teams that needed to win. To yeah. make them to both take them out of the at-large conversation because I felt like they had good arguments, and to make their leagues one bid leagues or two bid leagues. Uh, so the MAC was one that I was like, that could be chaos. Ball State had an argument going to their conference tournament. So did Buffalo. So did Central Michigan. Ball State got bounced in the first round by, ironically enough, um, Western Michigan, who uh, is the alma mater of Creighton's former assistant coach who also now coaches for Princeton who whipped the Ivy League's butt to make sure that's a one bid league. So, so Creighton got a lot of help from a former assistant right? in two ways. So Ball State has no argument left because they got bounced in the quarters. And Central Michigan and, Ball- and Buffalo both made their made the final of the MAC game. So there wasn't anything up in the air there as far as their resume goes. So I feel like the MAC is okay with being a two bid league. Um, that probably hurts Nebraska, which Never hurt Nebraska because they weren't in the top. They weren't in that 18 list, and I don't think they're above it. If That's you know what, what I'm I kind of so. It, 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 it sort of felt like Creighton had a better resume than Nebraska, and they yeah, beat them. And they beat them head to head. Yeah. So you would think that if in Lincoln if, too. So it's a yeah, if you're, sl- if you're slotting the teams, that Creighton would be ahead of Nebraska. Strength of schedule is not even close. So Nebraska's non conference schedule was 250. Um, Creighton's was 10. But I don't so. know the Big Ten well enough to know whether or not Nebraska had a better case than Purdue or Rutgers. It's kind of funny. Um, the Big Ten this year in women's basketball is kind of in the same storyline that the Big Ten men had. They didn't do a lot in the non conference, so they kind of just beat up on each other, and all of their quality wins are from Big Ten teams. Were you surprised, That's, though, that, that Purdue and Rutgers were ahead of Nebraska? Rutgers has a better non conference than Nebraska, so okay. no, I'm not surprised. Uh, I was asked. Well, that. I guess we I don't was, know. I, I guess we don't know if they're ahead. We don't know if Nebraska. That's true. We don't. I think they we, are ahead. So yeah. Rutgers is not going to the schedule. Is thirty four, and they beat Virginia, Princeton, North Carolina State, and James Madison, which are all top sixty five ish teams right. um, in non conference play. Nebraska has no quality non conference wins. So all their all their quality wins are in in Big Ten play. Well, didn't they beat? So, did they beat like a? They beat a Missouri Valley team. 
Nebraska? Drake. Like Drake? Yeah, they, okay. beat, they beat Drake That's on the road. It's a decent win, isn't it? It's a decent win. It's a, but it's like, not, not, it, if it's your best win, it's probably right. not. It's, it's, it's not going to get you yeah. in, you yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. Drake's in a one-bid league, too. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, I was going into today thinking Creighton had a chance to not even be on that list of eight because they were safely in. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're on that list of eight probably knocks my confidence level down a little bit in terms of their potential at-large bid, but I still think when you look at... I think Buffalo gets in just because their RPI number itself is going to be too hard to ignore, and they don't really have any bad losses. Um, actually, I think they might have a bad loss, now that I think about it. They might have a loss in the 250s. Um, I mean, they, they're not in a great conference, right? So they could have... Yeah, they're, not, they're in the max, so it's not... Um, let me see here. Uh, yeah, I think Buffalo, but just in, just spitballing, I think Buffalo's got um, a pretty good resume. They probably ha- are going to get their way in. West Virginia, I'm surprised to see. West Virginia does not have, in my opinion, the quality wins to get into the tournament. Purdue is an interesting case because they're 18 and 13. Um, I don't know if they have enough quality wins either. And Oklahoma is 16 and 14, but... Oklahoma's argument, I think, they're 16 and 14, and they haven't really beaten anybody, but they played the third toughest schedule in the mm. country. So, like, you kind of throw that team a bone because the committee tells women's teams every year, you got to play a tough schedule. That's, that's, that gets you into the conversation, which is why I think Nebraska's not in the conversation because of their strength of schedule. Is, yeah. They didn't even really try to schedule tough. They just banked on the Big Ten being what it was. So Oklahoma is – you know what, actually, I – I mapped it out yesterday. Hold up, check that. I have it all on my phone. One second. So what do we have? Oklahoma is five and twelve versus the top seventy-five. Um, Buffalo is four and three. So I think that's an Buffalo. I think gets in because their opportunities aren't going to be what a big major conference team right. are, and I think they've done enough in um, with their opportunities to get in. Plus, their RPI is. 22, 22, so that's that's going to get them. Okay, so you feel good about Buffalo. I feel, I feel decent about Buffalo. They're not going to trade the schedule isn't great, so they didn't they didn't do themselves a favor there. West Virginia was a surprise, so you kind of lean in there. West Virginia was a surprise. They're, so at, they're out? Is that what you would yeah, in your prediction? Because West Virginia's RPI is 64, okay? So that's not good at all. Yeah. Um, they're not going to trade the schedule is 182, and they're 5-10 and 10 versus the top 75. So just to give just to give you Creighton's resume before we start comparing all the other teams, Creighton is an RPI of forty nine. So that's dropped a bit today. An RPI of forty nine, but their non-conference rate of the schedule is ten, and of the at-large field, it's the fourth toughest behind Notre Dame, um, Oklahoma, and Stanford. So it's ahead of Tennessee. It's ahead of UCLA. It's ahead of Florida State. Those are all good things, and they're seven and nine versus the top seventy five. And like you said, they have three top thirty wins. Yeah. So they've one got, of one of which is on the road. Which was which is, right. Yeah. Right. So they have some beef on. Oh, two. Well, no, just one. Just, just one. one. Yeah, they they have some beef to their resume because they've gotten quality wins um, over NCAA tournament teams. It's also and they also scheduled a tough non-conference schedule. So they did all the things that um, the committee wants you to do. And then eighteen and twelve is is decent. So okay. So oh, Minnesota. Um, I forgot Minnesota was on the list. Another Big Ten team. So how do yeah, you feel Minnesota, about those three Big Ten teams? Minnesota, Purdue, Rutgers. I feel like Minnesota has the best chance out of those those that group for sure. Their RPI is forty one. Um, non conference schedule is atrocious though, so it's two ninety three. So I mean, because Rutgers had like you were talking about. They yeah, had the Rutgers. I think schedule. Rutgers. I th- actually, you know, if I were to rank them, I'd rank Creighton, Rutgers one and two, and the rest have some work to do. 
that rhyme. That rhyme did. You man. did. Nice. That was nice. But Pretty Buffalo. Solid. Buffalo, I think, is in as well. So those are the three. So would, the, those are the three. The three that, I would put in the field out of that eight. You haven't talked much about uh, USC. How I, do you, I, I mean, I when I checked that. USC, they didn't beat anybody. So let me see okay. if I read them wrong or not. Where's USC at? Yeah, USC is 3-11 and 11 versus the top 75. Mm. That's not good. Where are they in RPI? Yeah, so... USC is 52 in RPI. Their, schedule, their non-conference record the schedule is 194. And their best wins and they're are... they're 1-11 and 11 against the top 50. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And, so, and uh, their best wins are... Let's see right here. So, yeah, look at their group 1 over... So their best win is at home over Oregon State and then at home against Arizona State. And they beat Purdue on a neutral floor. So that probably gotcha. that probably puts them ahead of Purdue, I guess, right? Because Purdue they is... A better, they got a better RPI than Purdue. Mm-hmm. But Purdue has a better record against the... Um, Purdue got some quality wins, though, I think. Yeah, they... they I mean, and per- it's, it's hard to not have a better record against the uh, top 50 than the thing, UCLA. The thing about <laughs> Purdue is their RPI is 62... And their 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 overall record is eighteen and thirteen. That's a tough record to get in mm. with. But their non conference the schedule is twenty six. So they did play tough teams. It just it it's and actually they, kind of similar to at least. And they beat Central Michigan, who's an automatic qualifier and a good RPI team. Um, it just kind of it it just looks like it's similar to the men in that like when you compare the men's resume, the Creighton men's resume to a lot of the teams that were on the bubble or maybe in that. 9 to 10 to 11 range, it just seemed like they were a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I feel like. You understand why Creighton's there. Like, I understand yes. why the men, and I understood why the men could be docked and be dropped to 10 or 11. Like, I see the flaws. I see the flaws in the women's resume. Um, but it seems like they have just enough to. Yeah, to, I, that, that list, I think they're, they're easily top four in that list. Yeah. I actually think they're the best in that list, but. Um, I can make an argument for Rutgers being ahead of them. I can make an argument from Buffalo just based on the RPI number and their yeah. their 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 they have a winning record. Their opportunities, like I said, the opportunities. Buffalo doesn't have any, as many opportunities as Creighton or Rutgers, but they've done well in them. Winning record against the top fifty or the yeah. top seventy five. Yes, yeah. yes. So, yeah, the the two teams that I could see being slotted above Creighton are Buffalo and Rutgers, and then the other one would be. Um, Oklahoma because of how good their strength of schedule is. They really didn't play any bad teams all year. It's crazy. Um, but they didn't beat any of them, you know what I mean? So that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was actually surprised that Oklahoma State wasn't, I, wasn't one of those teams considered. I was surprised, which, which makes me think they're either in the field already because um, I'd be very surprised if the Big 12 was a two-bid league. As, as down as it is, and I don't see West Virginia jumping Oklahoma, so I think it's only a three-bid league, and I thought Oklahoma State was the third. Gotcha. Um, but their RPI number isn't great either. But Oklahoma, Oklahoma is, is, is an interesting one because they're 16-14, and 14, but they played the second-toughest overall schedule in the country, third-toughest non-conference. But their best win is you know South Florida at home, which is a really good one, but they only won by five. They beat West Virginia by two on the road, so those are their two best wins. You know, they beat a Belmont team. They killed Belmont, who's 30-2. and two. Um, so that's good, but it was a home game. So I mean, there's just, there's just they just don't have a lot of beef to it, you know what right. I mean? And they got a group four loss to Florida. At home. And 16, 16 yeah, and fourteen, see, they lost to Florida eighty to sixty one at home. That's a group four loss. Yeah, that's, that's I, what Creighton doesn't have. Yeah. That's the other thing that's good about Creighton's resume is their non conference strength schedule is really good. They have quality wins. Um, the eighteen and twelve is bad. The loss to Washington is bad. They only played three group four games but when you all look year. At, three. That's it. That's that's pretty. That's impressive. crazy. That's like you. I guess one of the stuff. things like if you're knocking Creighton for having twelve losses, 
I mean, look at the other teams they're competing with. There's a lot of teams with double-digit losses yeah. in that group, too. Yeah, Oklahoma's so, got 14, Purdue's got 13. So, like, you can you can knock them for the same thing. Right. Yeah. So I feel like Creighton is at least, at, at worst, the third-best resume in that group, I so think. So where does that slot, then, most likely in the, in the field? Uh, are they, a, like, a 10 seed or an 11? I, I have them as a 10 seed playing Green Bay. I don't know okay. if they like that matchup because Green Bay is kind of like a really hard-nosed a hard-nosed team that executes well. They're kind of like they're kind of like a poor woman's Virginia. I guess they really they just, you know, they really grind you out. Um but that's where I have. I don't know. Who, I, I, have, I have I have been a 7-10 against Green Bay, but I think they're playing in And uh, who's their two? Oregon, I think. Oregon. Which is, you know. Oh. I don't think that's a, I don't think it's a matchup they'll be like intimidated against, but It'll be a tough one to win yeah. for sure, but I don't think they'll complain if they get in the field tomorrow night. They're kind of where, all, yeah, no matter where they go, they're all on pins a, and needles right now for no the last doubt. week. So. Well, it's been a, a, a like I can't even imagine being in that spot of having to sit there and wait for a full week where you don't really you can't play. They're on spring break, you mm-hmm. know, so they can't. There's really no reason to be here. Yeah, you just other than you have you're to, alone with your thoughts. Basically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so. Uh, I think they're in, but especially with the with the with the teams they're listed with, I think that I I'd be surprised if their flaws are enough to overcome the flaws that are currently on that list with other teams mm-hmm. as well. So that's just my personal feeling going into it. But they had a lot go their way this week. I mean, it's insane. Um, I might tally it all up in in the in the write up if they do make the field about how many things went right this week because right. um, it, it did blow my mind when I start you know I went day by day with it I was like here's what needs to happen today all right that happened here's what needs to happen today all right that happened and then when I was like yesterday when I was just going through it all I'm like I cannot believe all of those things went like I, nothing went it, nothing went south on them yeah. like seriously it, no, nobody stole a bid from Creighton this week they all they they pretty much. They are in the same position as when the Marquette game ended. They have their resume, and they're pretty much in the same spot. Yeah, it's just going to depend on the, does no the committee. Yeah. yeah, does the committee appreciate exactly. that resume or exactly. not? Exactly. Because nobody no stepped in and, and took the spot yeah. from them. and it's pushed just, them down the conversation. Right. Yeah, they're in the same spot in the conversation they were when the Marquette game ended. So it's all about if that resume is good enough or not. Yeah. So that's how I feel. You think they're in? Out. I think they're in. Okay. I think they deserve to be in. And um, Again, I, I wouldn't... I can understand the rationale if they're not, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I thought they, I thought they were as soon as once they beat St. John's, I thought that was, I thought that was the game. They yeah. had to win that to get in. If they lost it, they were out, mm-hmm. um, and they got in. So, and you're thinking they're in? I do. I just think their resume is good enough compared to who they're. It's not like their resume is like, yeah, that's an NCAA tournament team. It's just like their resume is good enough compared to who else is fighting for those spots. That's just, it just, it just is. So, um, we'll see if it's enough. Um, that's tomorrow night. I think it starts at six. Is that what the time it starts? Six that's o'clock? right. Yep. Yeah, they're gonna have a private viewing party. I was go- going into today. I actually thought they had they had a better case than the men. Yeah, uh, when I did, when I did like a head to head, I was like, why is the the men are having like a the men are walking into a disaster potentially, and the women are like. <laughs> Doing it the when safe you look way. at their blind resumes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The men's ne- didn't stand out as much, but the difference was the win. The Villanova, the win. Villanova yeah. win is and not. Yeah, Creighton had beaten UCLA, which I think they had a lead at halftime. I'm not mistaken. The women's team. If they had beaten UCLA, it would have been a lock. Yeah, because that was a, that's a top ten RPI team. So, and they played out of their minds for a half against Florida State. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Could have maybe 
played out of your mind for another half and you would have got a great <laughs> played out of your mind. I think they hit 17 threes that day and lost by 10. So, um, <laughs> it wouldn't take a lot. <laughs> um, Man, that was a fun game to watch, though. It was like 50 to 49 at yeah, halftime, I think. It, it, it's very interesting, though, when you look at both of these teams, the men's team and the women's team, of just how um, you know, they played a full game, a full season, obviously, of games, and, and their resume is ultimately whether or not they get in the tournament is going to be it for the men it was determined by maybe three or four plays all year yeah like those four plays if they go differently um they're not a tournament team and for the women you know assuming they do get in if they do get in or if they don't get in well for the women can, if they do get point. in audrey favors three-point play at the buzzer to beat marquette on the road right right that's that was huge that's so yeah you can come down there's there's the women probably have more than the men because they played so many overtime. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Nail Four overtimes of Drake. Yeah. yeah it was the Providence game. I oh, mean, my goodness. Uh, right. There's a lot of moments, I think, for the women where you're just like, that could have gone either way. And this, mm-hmm. this team could be like 500 right now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even uh, a, a, a lock for, competing for a Big East title. No doubt. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, fun. we did learn that the margin of error for success in what it's deemed as public perception-wise, like, NCAA tournament or bust and things like that yeah. is small. Most definitely. And, and it's proven true. I mean, that's what's going to be so much fun. I'm, I can't wait for – I mean, the men are going to have – obviously, the men's side is going to have way more parity than the women. But um, at least at, at, at the top, I think the potential for parity at the top is – I have no yeah. idea what's going to happen with the men. I mean, Wide open you just, sure. think, just think about the idea that Providence, who was on the bubble – if Providence loses to Creighton in the first round of the Big East tournament, the quarterfinals, I mean, in the Big East tournament, it may not have gotten in. Right. Um, probably would have gotten in, maybe as an 11, maybe the playing game, but there's a chance that it could not, it may not have gotten in. Sure. Um, which is, which which you're is telling crazy. me that that's, a, that's a, an NIT team that has wins over Xavier and Villanova. And, right? then, and then, like a week ago, today, we're like, oh, is Providence in? I don't know. And then they go out and they beat Creighton in eight seed. They beat they Xavier beat again. Xavier a one seed. They've beaten a they, one seed twice this year. They're a 10 right. in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they've beaten a one seed three times. They beat yeah, Xavier, three, yeah, yeah, you're right. They three three times. wins over Xavier. Yes, and you're right. Villanova, and they're a 10 seed. 10 seed. Yeah. So that, I mean, you can go, you can look at all, a lot of these teams um, that are seven, eight, nines, sixes. You can look at their resume and say, wow, they look what they did when they were on. They beat mm-hmm. this team. They beat that team. So there's... And then, and then, obviously, are you going to fill out a bracket, or you? I don't know. I, I, as you go, like, yeah. yeah, I'm perfect. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, because, I know. It's, um, it could get messy. It's going to get messy. Definitely use a pencil, right? I, I yeah, a really good eraser too. Mm-hmm. Buy a new pencil with a good. I'm eraser. definitely not. Here's what I'm doing. If I fill out a bracket, I'm not going to cross it out with the red because that's just depressing. Okay. So maybe <sighs> maybe I'll cross it out with green, or just like. Maybe they'll be. Maybe I'll use a. Or just blue like maybe highlight mark. the highlight the good ones, so then like it looks like a bright shiny good piece of paper. Maybe, maybe. Or maybe just not even touch it. Just leave it and just pretend that oh. those were those were accurate. Bury it in know. the backyard and dig it up until the tournament's over. Right. Hey, let's see how good. Oh, okay. yeah, that was disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> give it, give it to Alex. So you're right, give my, it my dog and take care of it. <laughs> no, yeah, it's. Yeah, I think it's just gonna be a really fun tournament. And like in the women's side, I think that there's. There's certainly chances for upsets in the middle portion, but like, and I think that, I think at the top there's going to be a dogfight for it too. I think like Louisville, Mississippi State, um, South Carolina, Notre Dame. What Notre Dame has done, Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame is getting talked about enough. The women's basketball team, like they had four major contributors tear their ACL this year, and they are a one seed. Right. It's crazy what they've done. I, I mean, 
like if there's a universal coach of the year award, like for the men and women that right. overlap, Muffet McGraw, the best like, basketball coach in yeah, America, by far the best yeah. basketball coach performance wise. Like, right. yeah, the only the only person who's done a better job coaching than Tony Bennett this year with a Virginia team that wasn't expected Muffet to do Muffet anything, McGraw. Muffet McGraw, four ACL injuries from all like studs, no. and like she didn't miss a beat. They're they're a one seed by far. Yeah. Yeah. But they're still in the on the women's side. It's like what five teams could probably win it. Yeah, I would say that's right. Yeah. But then again, on the men's side, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd increase the pool larger than like 15 <clears throat> yeah. or 20. I mean, I, I, it'd be hard for me to see it 7, 8, 9, 10. Well, you figure, well, I think you the, figure the, they're the top eight, right? The top eight. Anybody in the top eight can win it, you think, for sure. Yeah. And then you handpick maybe Kentucky, Arizona, um, Gonzaga, Michigan State. Okay. Um, so that gives you 12. Is there another team that could get hot? I don't know. But I'm yeah, sure there's a couple probably. of other teams. That, but you, it's just like, now in a one-game setting, a team like Providence, I could see them beating. Um, who are they? Are they matched up with North Carolina? Who are they matched up with? Yeah, North Carolina's a second-round matchup. So I could see them finding a way to win that. Yeah, they got a and can, they, can they do that for four? Well, they'd have to do six to get to win. Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, I, I want to be... I, I wouldn't be shocked to see an 18. Texas Tech, too, right? Texas Tech is healthy now, yeah? Yeah, 15 Evans is healthy. Yeah, that's a really dangerous team if, if he's healthy. Um, I, wouldn't, I would be surprised if they won a national title, but depending on, their, depending on who they have in their path, right. not really, you know? So, I, I mean, seeing an 8 seed or a 10 seed in the Final Four wouldn't be a surprise, but to see one of those teams win it would to win six in a row. A lot of, I feel like a lot of these teams haven't been consistent enough to do something like that, but in yeah. a one-game setting... Who knows what can happen? So Which is probably why we're going to get three nines and a ten in the final four. <laughs> and, and if that's the case, then yes, <laughs> yeah, like the uh, the sweet sixteens are like ten, eleven. There's like half of its double digit seeds. <laughs> ten, eleven, twelve, and eight. And oh so it's God. like, well, that automatically. I'm going. so mad we didn't look at the bracket and trying to start pick our favorites a little bit. But, but I mean, um, there'll be plenty of people that are doing that, so it would have been fun. It's not like we can give any insight to you. That yeah. um, would be better than what you're gonna get anywhere else. Exactly. Like, Everybody we yeah. watch games, but honestly, yeah. I have no idea what to, what's gonna happen. And that's what I mean. Like I've watched a lot of college basketball this year, and all I know is that I don't know anything. Yep. I don't know what's gonna happen. So I, mean, I am looking forward to Kentucky Arizona second round. I Man, hope that that's happens. gonna be crazy yeah. good. I, I, I want to see. A... I want to see Seton Hall Kansas. I hope that happens. Yeah. I think that'd be a really fun second round game. Um, Kentucky Arizona might be the craziest second round matchup I can remember. When's the last time you remember like a national title, a legit national title game like in the second round? Because uh, those rosters K- are li- Kentucky Wichita, that that team. Uh, I thought Wichita was fake news. No, they were not fake news. I Get out of here! That game was fantastic. Were, I, it was a fantastic game, but I didn't think they were a national title contender that year. That was the first year Creighton wasn't in the valley. That no one was in their way. Yeah, they were so good that year, though. They were all right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can't get Wichita credit on the podcast. We talking about. I know. I'm sure a lot of Korean fans are going to be disappointed that I admit that. That's okay. Um, Wichita, West Virginia, by the way, is actually a pretty fun matchup. Too, yeah, that's a good one too. I think Wichita's a little bit overseeded, but I'm not. I'm not. I don't mind that second round matchup. That's, that's going to be good. Yeah, there's a lot of really good matchups. You know, Marcus Foster, Kansas State is like a, a little peon in the big world that is <laughs> no doubt. these storylines that are going to be happening. Um, Anything else you want to touch on that we... Many good Charlotte over? memories. Were you down there? When, uh, what, where, what year? Um, 
I guess they were they weren't in Charlotte. They were in Greensboro. Yeah. In 2012. I wasn't there, but I was there. I was in uh, Chapel Hill for um, the volleyball team when they made the Sweet 16 oh. the first time and beat North Carolina on their home floor. So okay. that's as close as I can get to having a Charlotte memory. Um, but that was pretty good though, as far as that goes. I had a drunk Carolina fan come up to me after the after the match and say. A drunk Carolina fan at a volleyball match. At a volleyball match, yeah. Oh, he was walking out of the arena as I was walking out, and apparently he didn't know I wrote for Creighton, so he wanted me to write about North Carolina's future and how good they were going to be, which would have been last year. So it didn't end up working out. How good were they last year? They were okay. I, don't think they, I think they got bounced in the second round. I think they got, actually, I think they made the Speed 16 and got beat by like UCLA or something. Okay. Um, not, so not bad. Not, not bad. No, it didn't go. It didn't go where he thought it was going. Gotcha. And I'm like, well, I don't really. So know actually, that team. you know what? That yeah. might be a good story for me to write about <laughs> this crazy team. Hmm. Okay, thanks, sir. Exactly. Exactly. I just like kind of like talked to him away. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll get on that right away. Like, They're gonna be so good, man. I'm telling you. I'm like, okay, all right. Please walk away. I'm not from here. I'm scared. It was like a back alley outside the Dean Dome. I was like, this is kind of not great territory. I had my brother there though, so he's like former army, so I was I was safe in that. Right. He used to live there. That's how I worked it out. Oh no. Nice. He used to live in uh, just like in some podunk town and right outside of him. So free room and board that weekend. Well, I'm pumped. Pretty good. I'm pumped for the NCAA tournament. I love it. I feel like last year obviously was a disappointment for a disappointment for Creighton, and for me it was largely because its best players didn't have their best games. Mm-hmm. Maybe two of their worst games for Foster. And Justin, um, of the season, of yeah. the season against Rhode Island. So you hope that that doesn't happen again. Obviously, because of the stage and the opportunity, and you know the chance to tell a good story. But I mean, it's pretty clear for Creighton to advance and to make some history. It's going to have to play tougher and play with a little bit more efficiency and be a little bit sharper than it was against Providence, and it's going to need guys like Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas to be on the, at another level. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to have to be um, they're going to have to be great, especially down the stretch of games, not just against K-State, but if indeed they're able to get past that, the Wildcats, then against Virginia, those guys are going to have to be. Look, the NCAA tournament has historically been you can make a run if you've got some dynamic guards. Creighton has some of the dynamic guards, but they've got to perform. This is their time. Yep. This is what they this is what they built the roster for. This is why they recruited who they recruited. And this is what they're all talking about. They don't think, regardless of how mixed the results have been, how much of a grinder they've gone through, and how tough of a, how much of a struggle it's been without Martine um, and without Ronnie, they've they still have the same goals in mind. So they're saying all those things and. You know, I certainly don't think they can argue with their draw in terms of the first round as far as that goes. Um, if they get by K-State, yeah, they've got a tremendous challenge um, to get to the Sweet 16 to go through what what I think is the best team in the country. Yeah. Um, no disrespect and, and to the Villanova Honestly, they'd have – but the thing is, is they'd have – it'd be a tough challenge no matter what. Yeah. Like, no matter where they were. I mean, if you think about, like, what are, what are Kentucky and Arizona, four and five? So if they right. were – yeah, if they were slotted in there, that's that's you don't want to face it, that in the second round. To so. get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, yeah. you have to beat. There's killers their, all over the place. You have to beat a good team, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Um, so it just so happens that Creighton, if it does get past K State, has to play Virginia, yeah. which is the best of the bunch. But right. you got to beat that that sort of team anyway if you want to get to exactly. where you want to be. So someone's gonna have to do it if they want to anyway. Yeah. Like you know, 
So, and you know, think about the hurdle you clear if you do beat that team. Then yeah. what are you worried about for that? Nothing yeah. left on that. Nothing left in that tournament. That should scare you. So, um, so yeah, I think that's all we pretty much can dissect on. Thanks for the questions, everyone. That was fun. Um, we will both be in Charlotte, I imagine. Yep. Um, I haven't made official plans yet, but um, um, we will be there. So we'll have more post game coverage for you there. If all things work out, we'll hop on the podcast again and do another post game session and give you all the give you all the nuggets and um, quotes and responses from Creighton Kansas State um, on Friday at tip off at six fifty. Five fifty central. Five fifty central. That's right. If you're not going. 5.50 Omaha time, 6.50 Charlotte time. TNT. Jim yeah. Nance. Got- Jim Nance. I don't remember who else is on that. Grant, Grant Hill, Hill, Bill Raftery, and Tracy Wolfson. Okay. That's like the A team. That's the Natty team. Yeah. So they got a legit. So if, you're, if you are staying in Omaha, you're going to have a legit crew call in the game. So. Yeah. yeah. Not, 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 the bad, not, not the worst thing if you don't want to shell out the dough. So um, until Friday, we will um, – everybody have a good week, and we'll talk to you then.